NAD Ministerial presents Leadership Effect, Learning Effective Leadership Lessons with Ivan Williams. I want for us to turn there to the Old Testament. I'm going to read. Welcome to e <laughs> And this morning we're having a baby dedication. You know, every now and then. We baptize you now in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Spirit of Spirit. We're about to go eat. I want to thank you for the food. Is there a second to the motion? To present to you. The happiest newlyweds in all the land. Muy buenos días, amigos, hermanos y familias. God, give us strength and power to live like you told us to live. Today, Ricardo Graham. Well, you know, uh, Ivan, they say that you have to have a, a thick skin to be a leader, particularly a ministerial leader in the Seventh Day Adventist Church. We don't uh, lead or rule by fiat uh, or dictatorship. We we have to work with people. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, certain elements that have helped me, uh, I had some experiences in my life that as a child developed a thick skin myth. And so people can shoot barbs at me in meetings and say mean things on uh, social media. But I've already experienced that. Once you have a, a wound, usually the, the scar tissue is stronger than the undamaged uh, uh, parts of skin. So I've, I've had those experiences where I've had people treat me bad or mistreat me, uh, misinterpret what I've said. So I'm prepared for that. That, that cannot distract me uh, from, from getting to my goal. So that, that helped prepare me for leadership because as I've, as I've often joked, you know, we, 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 I heard, uh, I think it's the uh, ministry probably deceased now, Howard Hendricks say that we elect leaders so we have somebody to blame when things go wrong. So, you know, I, I've, I've learned how to, to live through criticism uh, and uh, lack of cooperation and still be encouraged through my primary relationship with Jesus Christ uh, that is buttressed by uh, reading and by praying. So what is effective leadership? Keyword effective. Effective leadership is servant leadership. Leadership that's sustainable. Leadership that equips. Leadership that inspires you to keep going and growing. Our guest, Dr. Ricardo Graham, is president of the Pacific Union Conference of Seventh-day Adventists. So what shaped his leadership? How does he manage deadlines? What has he learned from failure? Well, you're about to find out as we take a deep dive. Then later in the podcast, our special feature with Ivan Williams entitled, Here's What I've Learned. Let's go to the conversation. Leadership means to me uh, the ability to influence the direction of a group of people and to help them move along to a predetermined goal that together the leader and the people uh, have agreed on. Uh, Sometimes it means being able to be very specific about what needs to happen and what shouldn't happen uh, that that way. Uh, The best example, of course, from the Bible is that of a shepherd. And the shepherd uh, leads the sheep and sometimes has to corral the sheep and protect the sheep from uh, the enemies and uh, from itself, from its own uh, misguided uh, directions. 
the leadership uh, is all of that. Uh, but I think the two primary representations of leadership would be uh, the ability to influence people uh, and to do so with with the idea of being a servant to the goals of the people. Of course, in our context as spiritual leaders, uh, a leader must have a, a connection with God uh, to to be able to do those other things that leadership requires. Yes, I'm, I'm so glad you brought in servant leadership uh, as a part of your definition. That's very true. Um, you know, what does effective leadership look like to you then? If it's about yeah, well, well, the, it, it, yeah, effective leadership means that you have to know uh, the nuts and the bolts. You have to have not just a general idea of where you want to get go, but how to get there, what the necessary steps are that required. An effective leader will also realize that he, nobody really becomes a success by themselves. Hmm. Uh, you know, first there is, is the blessings of God, and a leader needs to be able to, in my opinion, the most effective style of leadership, if we're talking about styles, an effective leader is one who knows his or, or her own strengths and then knows how to match those strengths with the strengths of others uh, and knows where their weaknesses are and has other people in a team format to help fill in those, those weak spots. Um, you mentioned earlier about meeting deadlines and whatnot, and, and uh, it's very important that uh, in this organization that I serve now, I have, I have lots of people doing lots of things. Mm. And my uh, two, my, my four perhaps most important people who serve along with me are my, my administrative assistant uh, who keeps my, helps keep my calendar appointments together. And, uh, you know, that, uh, the executive secretary who does a lot of detailed things in terms of service records, and the meetings of the various uh, committees, like the executive committee, chair of those minutes, and so on and so forth. Uh, and and the work is divided. I don't. I'm glad I don't have to all do it, do it all by myself. So. It's a team approach. Absolutely. Wonderful. I, I tell you, I heard you mention goal and getting to a destination. I heard you mention team and you talk briefly about uh, no one being where they are or getting to the point of leadership by themselves. So let's go there. You open the door and I'll walk in it. <laughs> what, All right. What shaped you as a minister or leader today? Well, you know, uh, Ivan, they say that you have to have a, a thick skin to be a leader, particularly a ministerial leader in the Seventh-day Adventist Church. We don't uh, lead or rule by fiat uh, or dictatorship, we, we have to work with people. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, certain elements that have helped me, uh, I had some experiences in my life that as a child developed a thick skinness. And so people can shoot barbs at me in meetings and say mean things on uh, social media, but I've already experienced that. W- once you have a, a wound, usually the, the scar tissue is stronger than the undamaged uh, uh, parts of skin. So I've, I've had those experiences where I've had people treat me bad 
or mistreat me, uh, misinterpret what I've said. So I'm prepared for that. That that cannot distract me uh, from from getting to my goal. So that that helped prepare me for leadership, because as I've as I've often joked, you, you know, we 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 I heard uh, I think it's a minister. He's probably deceased now. Howard Hendricks say that we elect leaders so we have somebody to blame when things go wrong. Yeah, so yeah. you know. I, I've, I've learned how to, to live through criticism uh, and uh, lack of cooperation and still be encouraged through my primary relationship with Jesus Christ uh, that is buttressed by uh, reading and by praying. Uh, and it, 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 it used to be I had a lot of time to talk with other pastors, uh, but that sort of has diminished over the years. Uh, so I think that is the partial answer. What else has shaped me is uh, I have seen other pastors, particularly in the pulpit preaching, uh, and as the late uh, E. Cleveland once said, that one way to recognize that you've been called is that when you hear another preacher preaching, you say, I want to be able to do that. Mm. Uh, and so that was that was part of it. Uh, another part, of course, is the scholastic piece that shapes you. You know, when you go to school, you have deadlines. You got to get those papers in on time. You got to show up to class. My late father-in-law said, "Part of the job, or half the job, is showing up. Yes, just being in the room when you're supposed to be there is an important element because your presence, even before you open your mouth, says something that you're interested, that you're committed." that you have a, a, a part to add to the discussion, so on and so forth. So uh, those, those, those parts of meeting deadlines, they help shape me. Uh, and I love to write. Uh, and I learned how to write better uh, when I did, and you may have had a similar experience, when I, when I did my uh, dissertation uh, for my doctorate. I, I actually used to write all my sermons out uh, longhand, uh, and then, you know, I'd have an outline before, an outline after, and then the write it out longhand. I began to type when I went to graduate school, and uh, that stayed with me, and, and writing has helped me to be able to put my thoughts together and prepare me uh, for communication. So, uh, meeting those deadlines, you know, I, I, in fact, I just opened my email, and there's a deadline I have for the recorder, our, our union paper here in the Pacific Union Recorder, uh, Pacific Union, mm-hmm. uh, that I need to uh, work on and then have submitted by May 18th. So today is what, the uh, 8th? I got eight days to write an article. <laughs> 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 ten, 10 days, 10 days rather. Well, 10 days to, to write an article. Let's stay there for a moment because I know that's not the only thing you have to do. Uh, right. You know, if a ministry leader, a pastor, administrator, or even a church leader is listening and they have a whole lot of things to get done, the to-do list is longer than their time, what would you share with them um, maybe some insight on how you deal with deadlines? Well, you know, uh, one of the things is uh, I think it's important to, to, to be uh, submitted to God and to have a, an effective prayer life. Um, I do also make uh, to-do lists. I, I don't do one every day, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I do do some uh, sporadically. Some of them uh, just come off of my calendar. Whenever I get an appointment, I immediately put it on a calendar. And I have actually uh, two different types of calendars. One is the old-fashioned uh, paper calendar where you can open it up and see the whole month. I need to have the view of the whole month when I'm thinking of what I'm going to do next or what comes in proximity to the next meeting, so on and so forth. Mm. And the other thing is I have uh, a, a calendar in my, in my, in my phone, uh, the smartphone, uh, and, and I put uh, items there. I am a, a person who has a great appreciation for Apple products, so <laughs> I have uh, the iPad, Apple computer, and the iPhone, and I use the iCloud, and once you put it on the calendar on one of those devices, it shows up on all of those devices. And that's very helpful. So it's very important for me to keep a, a accurate calendar, up-to-date calendar, and to look at the calendar every day and every night. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, I, and I try to do that uh, uh, pretty, pretty well. And in, in, in fact, during this period with the COVID, I've had a lot of, a lot of time allowed not having to get to an airport to fly somewhere, but the meetings have continued through the, the Zoom platform. And so I've got to make sure that I've got that uh, calendared so that I can click on at the right time. So those are some things that, that I have done. Uh, you know, we're always thinking, it may look like um, that I'm not thinking about anything deep, but I may be reviewing a situation. What am I going to say? Dear God, give me the right words to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have heard that a person has been sometimes related to uh, looking like a, a, a duck gliding across the lake, but underneath the water, they're, they're, they're paddling as hard as they can. You know? so, <laughs> right. so, so sometimes I may seem uh, calm and peaceful, but you know the thoughts are, are coming uh, and going uh, quite rapidly. Got it. Got it. Well, I tell you, you have been one. Uh, you served as my president and uh, conference president, and I never knew a day to go by when you didn't return an email the same day. I want to be like that one day. <laughs> <laughs> that let me know that you handle deadlines uh, very well. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Um, you told me about what shaped you. Tell me an experience or two that grew you. Just now, when you asked that question, one immediately came to mind. Uh, the, the fact of this deals with the, the basic format of any leadership, of course, is relationship. You can't have any influence with somebody you have no relationship with. Mm. And a pastor, a president, a union person has to have relationships with various people, individuals, and groups. So in one particular church, one particular church, and and that relationship must be rooted in loving acceptance. And the story will help you understand why I said it that way. In one particular church, I had an elder uh, who was a a great guy. He he was retired. He uh, uh, had lots of time. He visited sick in the shut-in. I had no problem that he got to the hospital before I did or, or anything like that. You know, I, 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 that was wonderful that he was exercising a responsibility as a local elder. Great. That's what you're supposed to do. You don't need my permission or approval to do that. Go do it. 
Yes. The, the, the fact of the matter, however, is that particular elder, he, no matter what I said in an elders meeting, a board meeting, or a business meeting, he shot my ideas down, Ivan. He, he was very negative to anything I suggested. There was always something wrong with what I had. And not only that, but he never offered anything in its place. Mm. And I guess it got to me, uh, and when I was pastoring, I always liked to be uh, at the church before Sabbath school started. I would stand by the front door where the most people came in. I love to shake hands. People coming into Sabbath school, and I would do that until Sabbath school started, and then I would I would go in. And one day, and he was there sometimes uh, with me, or we'd be there greeting people. And one Sabbath, I guess, I was not hiding my feelings very well because he said, <laughs> Pastor, uh, is there something between us? And I, I, I didn't lie. I said, yeah. <laughs> and I said, come into the study. Let's talk. And so we went in the study. And I share with him, I said, you know, I, I really, really feel, Elder Ponso, I called his name, that no matter what I suggest, no matter what program, no matter what, on any area, any level, if it's in any meeting, you're going to shoot it down. You haven't said anything to me privately, but you'll come out very strongly against anything I have said. In fact, since I've been here, you have not agreed to anything I've said in an elders meeting, a a board meeting or a, a, a church business meeting. And he did not deny it. He said, Pastor, I don't know why I'm like that. <laughs> and we talked some more. He began to cry. And, and I don't know what happened. I began to cry. You know? <laughs> and, and, and we, 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 we dried our eyes. We had prayer. We had a, 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 a brief embrace. And we went out. He said he was going to do better. And Ivan, he did better. Mm. for about two or three weeks. More with Ricardo Graham in a moment. Leadership Effect is a growth platform just for you. One great investment in your ministry is our bi-monthly best practices book club with Ivan Williams and Michael Campbell. In a world filled with leadership gurus, recommended steps, and proposed outcomes, how does one really know what impact or effect their leadership has? Through our book club, you'll learn from authors the most effective tools and how to glean practical ways to accomplish a ministry task. Go to our website, nadministerial.com, and join and sign up. You'll enjoy the interaction and appreciate growing deeper as a ministry leader. Make sure you sign up for the book club. Home base for all things Leadership Effect is nadministerial.com. That's nadministerial.com. Now more with Ricardo Graham, president of the Pacific Union Conference of Seventh-day Adventists. It dawned on me that I as a pastor could not change people, but I had to accept them and love them as they are. Wow. Hold on. You you can't go on from there. (laughs) Is that... For me, that sounds like pastoral ministry 101. Yeah. You you can't change people. Is that real? Absolutely. People can only change because they decide to change. You know, you can't can't, uh, bribe them into changing or trick them into changing or pressure them into changing. You may control their external behavior for a while, 
but you're not going to change who that person is. People only change because they desire to, and they elicit the assistance of divine power to change. They ask God to help them to change. I've pastored in the Midwest and in the West and, you know, lots of different people I've seen, and I've been in bunches of meetings. And I, what I've seen is that people will do what they have done before in that same circumstance. Mm. And, and people are true to their nature. Unless there is some spiritual experience where God comes in and changes them, they're going to be like water and, and go to the path of least resistance. Yes. Uh, and and that's, that's me too. I am not immune or exempt from that, what I believe is the law of nature. So people have had to learn how to work with me, and and I've had to learn how to work with other people. But bottom line, I have to be lovingly accepting of people as they present themselves to me. I was reading a a book uh, that I've had a long time. Uh, well, actually, I got that book mixed up. I was reading a, a book that I found at my at my in law's house visiting my mother in law. The author Dwight K Nelson. The, uh, the pastor at Pioneer Memorial Church at Andrews University made a point in saying that his whole thesis in this particular book is friend or, or fear, a friend of God or a foe of God. And he made the particular point that when Judas came and kissed Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane to betray him, Jesus addressed him as friend. And, you know, I've read that in the Bible so many times. It did not make an impression until I read it that way. Right. And even while Judas was in the position of betraying Christ, fulfilling out his his predetermined goal of betraying Christ, Jesus received him and addressed him as friend. Man. Yeah. And, that's... you know, we've got to look at people, even though they'll speak harsh to us, these are people that Jesus died for. And so I must be friendly as I can to them, uh, loving them, and I believe there's a distinct difference between love and like. So, <laughs> as a pastor, I have to love everybody, even though I might not like how they treat me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a great growing experience. Learning that you can't change people. Um, right, right. I appreciate you sharing that. You know what? What book are you, are you reading? You are an author of a couple of books. In fact, I have not read your books. I'll have to get them. Um, one is about yeah. Job and right, uh, the right. book of Job, and one is also Jesus Unlimited. So you've written books. Um, obviously, you are a reader of books. What are you reading now? Uh, the book I just referred to, I haven't finished yet, um, Outrageous Great by Dwight by Nelson. It's actually a very old book. Mm-hmm. But the gospel and its stories are always fresh up to date. So that's that's a profound book. I just uh, completed reading a book on a non-religious uh, um, uh, topic, The Right, R-I-G-H-T, To Write, W-R-I-T-E, by Julia Cameron. Uh, and mm-hmm. as a person who enjoys writing and wants to grow in, in my ability to write, uh, that book just had lots of ideas. And I, I believe that if you buy a book and you get three really good ideas out of it, that uh, really um, it, it, it's worth it's worth the price, even though the price of books uh, continues to, to go up. And 
And, you know, I, you have to find how you read best. And I like to read on the, um, the, uh, I like to read books themselves. Mm. Uh, and then the, the, the third book that I, that I'm reading is White Fragility by Robin DiAngelo. Uh, she is a, a secular uh, social scientist, and the book is written specifically to uh, Anglo uh, white Americans from the perspective of another white person to help white people see how they actually do practice racism unknowingly. Mm. And it was recommended to me. And in that particular division, in this particular time that we're in, uh, you know, the racism seems to uh, be uh, reasserting itself. Yes. Uh, and, you know, not necessarily in the church, but the church does reflect what's in the community and uh, mm. or in the society at large. And sometimes rather than influencing the society, society influences the church. I, I don't think that there can be a neutral position uh, to between good and evil. You are either moving towards one and away from the other or vice versa. So that, that's a little bit uh, of what I'm reading. Uh, and I'm reading an old book for devotion every morning, uh, The Best News Ever by HMS Richards Jr. and Daniel R. Gould. Gould. Mm. Uh, reading a bit from it uh, either in the morning, my wife and I read it. And it's very old. It was published in 2001. Those are the books that I'm, that I'm currently uh, making my way through awesome. during this period of time. Books do have influence, don't they? And uh, yeah, I appreciate you being a reader. And that impacts um, those who not only follow your leadership, um, but you can influence others to keep reading and learning and growing as well. You know, when you think about your journey uh, in ministry, as you look and reflect back on pastoring and now uh, serving in an administrative capacity, what have you learned from things you failed at? Oh, uh, <laughs> what? Yeah. And how did it grow you? If you can just take a few moments to reflect. Well, um, as a pastor, uh, one of the regular things that I had to do was to preach. Hmm. And in order to uh, be an effective communicator in the preaching moment, uh, it, it demanded that I, I studied and I submitted myself to God in prayer. Uh, whatever I wrote out, you know, before it was preached, I'd, I'd kneel over it and, and pray, pray through the process, pray at the beginning, uh, pray until I still have to preach that I would get it right. Um, and there have been times when I haven't been prepared for the sermon. Uh, didn't take too many times for that to happen uh, because it, it was so unpleasant mm. uh, to see myself fumbling through a message that didn't have to be that way. Mm. And so as a pastor, I started early in the week. Uh, I was not able, I was not the type of person to have a um, sermonic year. I tried those a few times. And the better thing for me, for my personality, was to have a, uh, a monthly uh, topic goal, maybe two months. And uh, when I would finish my sermon on Sabbath, uh, 
you know, I'd, I'd be ready to start on the next one on Tuesday. And the goal was, of course, to have it finished in terms of its writing on, you know, Thursday, you know, at the latest Friday. And sometimes when other things would happen, like funerals or things I couldn't control, then uh, unfortunately I would have to be up Friday night finishing up a sermon. But that, that was not the regular uh, uh, thing. The other thing that I think as a, a person chairing meetings, it's good to have, you don't have to be a mastery, a master of the rules of order, but you have to have a working understanding of the rules of order. There are a few basic ones you might need to know exactly uh, when to use and so on and so forth. And of course, at the meetings uh, that I serve at, there's a parliamentarian. But I always told my churches that uh, we would use a, a, a relaxed mode of rules of order for our uh, business meetings, but we would have order. Mm. And uh, being prepared for meetings, you can know that there will be some questions based upon the items on the agenda that you will, excuse me, that you will need to speak to. And one should be prepared for that. Got Which it. leads to when when I when I'm going to a meeting, one of the challenges I have is is reading uh, a lot of the things that uh, are sent to me to be prepared to have an intelligent discussion on that particular topic at that meeting. Mm. Uh, but it does pay off. All homework does pay off at one time or another. And so making preparation for the meetings, looking at the agenda. Okay, I know this is going to be discussed. Let me make sure I have some background in case these questions are asked. And there's really just, you know, maybe five types of questions. There are varieties of them. What, when, who, where, why, and how. And once you have answered those questions when you're discussing, uh, preparing, looking at a subject matter that's going to be discussed at a meeting, then you're prepared. And, and and there are other people who have worked on the issue, so who have an opportunity to answer and address that question. But as a leader, you must be prepared to answer questions about whatever you are introducing. Mm. And usually you have a team of people who can help you gather those answers and pre-discuss them so that when you come out, you are all, quote, on the same page or singing the song, same song. Preparation. Yes. yes and yes. and and thank you for being transparent about even uh, your preaching and how you've grown and um, the areas of failure in ministry. We don't often talk about those, but those are things that others can grow from to know we aren't perfect. So I really, really appreciate that. What has leadership demanded from you or of you? You know, uh, as as one uh, participates in leadership at different levels, there's a, there's a different types of demands, and usually there are demands on the family. Uh, when I was a pastor, I could be home just about every night. I'd, I'd be home almost, yeah, every night at home, mm-hmm. although it may be sometimes later than others. As I moved into conference administration, I sometimes would get home very late uh, from traveling different places. Uh, and I uh, was not uh, always able to see my, my kids at, at that time, you know. Mm-hmm. But 
Um, I um, find that now on the union level, it's even more demanding of being away from home. I shared with my wife a couple of weeks ago, uh, had been home for a month, which is the longest uh, period of time I've been home in 12 years. Mm. Uh, just the union presidents have about 28 or 30 meetings, uh, committees that they serve on. And, and, and a few of them are in one's own territory. <laughs> so uh, the travel is demanding. I, I am not missing the travel during this period of time. I, I was going to be honest with you. I was going <laughs> to ask you, I hope being home feels good. <laughs> Man, I enjoy seeing my wife daily. I enjoy sleeping in my own bed instead of a hotel bed. Yes. Uh, I enjoy my wife cooking. Uh, and, uh, she is a, a great cook. I, my wife and I, we, we take a walk every day for about an hour. We talk, uh, awesome. there's a secluded place near our, near our house where we can walk. Uh, we may see a person or two, but usually there's not anybody on the trail when we're there. And that's a great thing. So, uh, I'm enjoying this. I'm, I'm not looking forward to being reengaged. I do miss the people to people interaction, even though, you can see each other on the Zoom platform. It's not the same mm. as being in the same room uh, with, with other persons. So, yeah, you know, but this, this demanding of time uh, and the, 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 uh, the different arenas require more time sure. uh, away uh, from you. And, and the sacrifice that the whole family makes, particularly one spouse. I, I bemoan the fact that people are dying from this pestilence. I pray every day that God would lessen the death and to heal people. That's mm-hmm. my personal prayer. And uh, yeah, so so yeah, I, I, I enjoy being home. Now that was an insightful interview. And now, the special feature we call, Here's What I've Learned. Ivan Williams, Here's What I've Learned. Are you aloof or irrelevant by always staying safe? I get it. Spiritual leaders are under greater pressure today. Leading biblically and vertically is challenged more than ever before in this post-Christian era. But doing nothing or staying safe to avoid failure is to believe all things are not possible with God. Why not try new things? Risk responsibly and stop fearing the failure. The only failure is never trying and never risking for God. I do believe if he is for us, who can be against us? Here's what I've learned. Thanks again for joining us on Leadership Effect. We are your resource center, your growth platform. Every podcast is dedicated to encouraging you on your growth journey. Just go to nadministerial.com to find what you need. Whether you go there to join our Best Practices Book Club or to find out more about our interviews or to gain more insights from our guests, here's our promise. You won't be disappointed. Tell a friend about us. Please like, share, and subscribe so you can be notified when we post new episodes. We're here to help you grow. Keep going so you can keep growing for God's glory. Leadership Effect. Leadership Effect is a production of NAD Ministerium. Executive Producer, Ivan Williams. 
Designed by Halloran Hilton Hill for NAD from Anything is Possible. Written and produced by Ivan Williams. Edited by Taizi Snyder.